You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, your team every day, as always, with your host, Jeff Floyd, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, Whether it is Google Play, whether it is Alexa, whether it's your car, play Locked On Browns podcast, have the latest episode brought up for you. Um, guys, it's been a crazy 24 hours. Um, first thing first, I want to thank everybody. Um, the response, the feedback, and look, everybody right now, everybody's enjoying the euphoria, enjoying the high, uh, you know, the franchise. Everybody feels confident about what's going on and where it's going. I just want to thank everybody for the kind words. I mean, God, he even got Pete putting out tweets now thanking everybody. Maybe we found a heart in Pete. I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of a Wizard Oz, Wizard of Oz style. Um, you know, so that things. Um, I do want to share one good story today, though. And he did send me a DM and asked it to be anonymous. Um, so no name, nothing attached. Young kid grew up in uh, Ohio, not far outside of Cleveland. Um, he's stationed in Afghanistan uh, with the Army. Um, and he said that, you know, lifelong Browns fan. And he ends up, at, you know, sometimes at night sitting around listening to some episodes of Locked on Browns, which is awesome, which is cool. And, you know, some of the guys come in and, you know, it, you know, some of the other soldiers that he's with and he started to listen to, you know, and the other guys came in because, you know, obviously, you know, Pete and I were doing, you know, the playoff pregame shows, the postgame shows, and it was something that they all enjoyed and got to. And, you know, obviously me and Pete busting each other's chops and, you know, some certain players in the league where we always like to, you know, give the elbow to the ribs and some stuff like that. But hearing that from somebody who's doing what he's doing almost kind of makes like what we're doing yeah, we have fun doing it, but you know, there's people out there who enjoy it, and the guys who are doing, people who are doing things a lot more important than podcasting, writing about sports. It was refreshing. It was cool to hear. And uh, look, man, I hope you guys are all safe. Uh, look out for one another, and you know, God bless you for what you're doing. It does mean a lot to me. It does mean a lot to everybody here uh, you know, that you guys are putting yourself out there like the way you are. We're going to get in, into a bunch of stuff here. Um, obviously, maybe we're going to stick this, you know, maybe a little bit more AFC North, uh, you know, but, you know, obviously some more stuff, you know, with the Browns and some stuff trickling down here today. Um, Pete, but look, I mean, now it's official. Uh, Odell Beckham is here. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, Jabril Peppers is now a New York Giant, and it was kind of cute for the New York Giants from their social media team. We've acquired Kevin Zeitler and Jabril Peppers from the Cleveland Browns. And look, I mean, you know, being here in New Jersey, there's a split. And, you know, guys, I told you this yesterday. This is the way it was going to be. There's the old New York Giants regard of, well, he's not a team player. He didn't buy in. He's about himself. But, um, look, you know, if you want to say Saquon Barkley is just a good a player on offense, that's fine. But you know what would have been really good is to have two of them. And then there's the part of what the heck did you just do? It doesn't matter. Eli Manning's still your quarterback. It's great that it, and most of them all seem very receptive about Jabril Peppers coming to the Giants, which is, you know, a lot of it's probably because he is a Jersey kid. And look, we all know Jabril's good. But you do not build your defense from the back to the front. And, you know, and I forget who it was. I think it was Howard. Uh, I think it was Carl Banks today on local radio. Well, you know, you've got a deep part of your defense. This is good things. Guys. We learned this. The angel position didn't work with your pearl peppers. You want him closer to the line of scrimmage. So it's just funny to people, you know, just 
gab off about nothing without knowing what they're talking about and just grasp at straws. But, you know, good luck to Drew Peppers. You know, there's no, obviously we were huge fans of what he did this year as far as writing the ship of this franchise. Pete Smith, obviously all the work over at NFL Spin Zone. Pete, this part of it is done. We're going to get in some free agency, some AFC North. But now it's finalized. I mean, and the Browns are putting up, and, and thank God. I mean, I don't need to see the white jersey. I don't need to see the other jersey. Show me the color rush, and those are getting printed up. The old it's it's official. It's it's done. And it was Pete. We'll have a little fun with it. A little joke. Uh, his statement, uh, first name he mentioned was Baker. It wasn't Jarvis. Ha ha. I'm just having a little fun, guys. Really. Um, but let's have some fun with it. Right. Um, yeah. There's still an element of this that feels surreal. Um, that you have, um, just from a business standpoint or, or like sort of, a you know, recognizing what the Browns have, they have two of the highest selling Jersey guys, jerseys in the league right now. Like, which is weird though, because it's only, it's usually an offensive guy thing. Miles Garrett should be up there, but people don't buy 95 jerseys, number 95 jerseys. It's just the way it goes. And it's weird. Well, I mean, I, I see a lot of those too, but no, I mean, it, it, especially with kids, um, it's either Baker Mayfield or Odell Beckham. Those are the two. And, you know, obviously it's been Giants jerseys, but now it's going to be, you know, either Baker Mayfield or Odell Beckham jerseys. Those are going to be monstrous in terms of kids. And I already see Mayfield all over the place yep. with kids. I see it here in Odell New Beckham's the same way. Well, you should because he's a giant. But um, no, I mean Baker. Oh, Mayfield. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, you know this idea that you're going to have, you know, these two, you know, a, a, a superstar and then a, and a guy, an ascending player who has the potential to be a superstar, and they're both in bronze jerseys. Like, as much as it's like, yeah, we got Odell Beckham. You know, the bronze should win. Should win the division. Um, should be a factor in the playoffs. All these things, it's like still, you know, and I saw the little video they did and stuff like that. Like there's an element that's like it doesn't quite feel real until you see that type of stuff. So, yeah, it's exciting. And look, the the excitement around uh, when you run into people or you see people out about either wearing brown stuff that, you know, they may not show off as, as much. But there's like a, a you know a, a buzz with people about this stuff and the excitement level and all that. So you know, it's great. It's certainly welcome. I think you know, certainly this is fueled by the acquisition of, of Beckham. But you know, it just feeds into what's already been building. People are already excited. Um, this anticipation with this thing and, and and the hype building up with this deal and it finally getting done. It's just like it's just taking people to a, a level. I don't I don't think. You know, Browns fans have really experienced since probably, you know, when the team came back initially, uh, maybe a little bit in 2008, but really not since like 94, um, where it was just like people were just pumped and ready to go and couldn't wait for the season to get going and couldn't wait for, you know, even just week to week, couldn't wait for Sunday to get here. Uh, I, I think, and this is the thing, and I kind of, I went through it today and you know, just tried to like, Take the, you know, obviously the fact that we cover this team and the fact that we talk about this team, write about this team, just take it and and just try to, you know, compartmentalize it. And it was, well, you've got your star quarterback, wide receiver. You've got that dude, tight end. You got a guy at 22. You're pretty sure what he's going to be at that position in David Ajoku. Running back, Nick Chubb. Okay, another box marked. 
uh, offensive line. You know, the core, you know, if you put them together as a whole, it's maybe better if, than if you broke them down piece by piece. Pretty damn good. Uh, pass rusher. Boom. Got that dude. Uh, do you have the leader of your defense? Do you have that linebacker? Joe Schobert. Boom. Another box checked. Do you have your what you feel cornerback one shut down dude? Check. Um, then you go to the safety position. Do you have the guy back there that can be the dude and you know and can make the plays in the big situation? Check. I mean, so I mean, what John Dorsey is. I mean, and look, there's a lot more than just all of these guys. But at every positional group, you've got dude, and we use the term dude a lot, and that's what you shoot. That's what you're shooting for. That's what you're striving for. And now it's just fill in, fill in, fill in, fill in, fill in. Uh, and it's he's done a fantastic job in that regard, John Dorsey. So, you know, a, a lot of credit for, I mean, a guy who, you know, seemed excited about taking over a team who was, you know, you know driving down, you know, a, a gravelly road with two flat tires with a bunch of assets if they could actually get themselves to the garage. But, you know, he's done... Some really good things. Granted, you know the table was kind of set for him to do those good things, but that's that. that it, it, it's it, to see this all start to come to fruition, and it's a nice blend of the work of both men. Because we'll always give credit to what Sashi did here. Pete will, I will, but you know John's done some nice work with the hand he was dealt. You know, maybe Sashi could have done it. We'll never. Get, we can't play it that way, obviously, because he didn't get to. Um, I guess if we started with Odell, we're going to go with one more here. Um, now, we, we, last night, yeah, obviously, Perriman was part of it. We closed the show with where, you know, and now he was backing out. Now he's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Pete, for me, Bashard Perriman, if you took the same deal with Tampa Bay that you had here with Cleveland, there's a couple ways I'm going to go with this. First of all is, am I banking myself and my potential earning and trying to continue to dispel the myth that I am a bust Am I going to bank on Jameis Winston, who is kind of flirting with that same label himself, or am I going to hang with Baker Mayfield? Uh, the Cleveland Browns, I mean, people asked today, and a bunch of people gave me the question, what is the over-under on primetime games for the Cleveland Browns? I said, if you want to set the mark, set it at four and a half, because you never have any idea how those last three weeks of the season play out, as far as you know who gets bumped, who doesn't, yada, yada, yada. But... And then there's, you know, you figure the Browns are going to be in playoff games. So, yeah, there's another opportunity to shine. We've seen a guy have, you know, a couple of great playoff games and just get paid off of that, even if you'd have a great regular season. Also, I don't know who's going to be watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next year. It seems right now, like, everybody's going to be watching the Cleveland Browns. So if it was a one-year, $4 million deal, Pete, and I will go to you and the phrase, why don't you stick around with the Gooses laying the golden eggs? I don't know if Prashar Perriman made the right decision here. Um, yeah, it's one of those things. Uh, pride probably plays into this, but if you just look at it from well, what's I mean, the I will say this. It's a couple more shekels because it is in Florida where there's no <laughs> state income tax. But, sure. All right. Uh, yeah, but I mean, if you're just looking at this and you're saying, oh, if, you know, naturally he'd want to leave the Browns. He's not going to get targets. He's behind Odell Beckham. Baker Sorry, already had faith in you. <laughs> yeah, um, you're, you're presumably going to have, uh, you know, Richard Higgins back. And but maybe Higgins Callaway. would have been here if Paramount had stayed. Who knows? I mean, that's. I mean, he gambled. I don't know. But go ahead. 
Mm. And an and a Joku. So there's you know you, you, there's five guys there. But the thing is, like you had you already saw with Freddie Kitchens, he liked getting you the ball. So you, you basically say, I don't want to be here. I want to go to Tampa, where you're beyond Jameis Winston. It's you're not better than Mike Evans. You're not better than Chris Godwin. Uh, you're probably fighting with touches with O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait, and you know if they have another receiver there, maybe with that. So it's not as if you know he he tr- turned down the Browns and went to a team like let's say let's use the example Baltimore. Where, or even Kansas City, where it was like, you know, it was prime opportunity for prime opportunity, you know. But, I mean, you know, Baltimore would have been where he would have essentially been the one. Yeah, so it's – it just feels like a lateral move at best for him. Um, I, and it's not like I want anything – you know, I'm, I'm wishing anything to happen negatively with him. I just find the whole thing very confusing because I do think there were a real sit- situation where you could look at this and, and, like we mentioned yesterday, you have – Beckham on the field, uh, Callaway on the field, and Perriman on the field with Njoku, and you just have freaks running all over the field, and Baker Mayfield getting pick pick uh, pick the one he likes. But you know, I, I think much of this is pride, and and that's tends to be what happens, which follows the same pattern as Terrell Pryor. Now, fortunately for Perriman, he didn't lose money on it. I don't think uh, with I mean, obviously one year four million versus one year four million. The thing I'm, I'm curious about is if you know we when we find out you know where the bodies are buried on some of these negotiations. If we don't find out that Brashad Perriman actually ended up taking less money um, after you know the initial talk uh, where Rosenhaus was trying to. Uh, trying to get more money out of them if John Dorsey basically said okay I'm gonna offer you less now and and he ultimately had to take it or whatever but um, yeah so that's where we are with Perriman it's it's not the end of the world uh, I think um, beyond the fact that it certainly makes it far more likely that they're gonna match whatever Higgins uh, is offered or negotiated themselves um, now there's a real opportunity where they could draft another guy and you know bring in another weapon, uh, you know, and it could be you know somebody who's just really good, um, you know, up near the top of the draft, or it could be somebody that's like more of a specialist type guy. Like if you're saying you love Andy Isabella and you just want to get a, a speed guy on the field, or you like a guy like uh, the kid out of Notre Dame uh, who's more of a project type guy. That you want to develop well and then let him sort of figure it out or, or uh, a late round guy that you just really value uh, for one reason or another you know there's there's a lot of options there or they just don't go with anyone and, and sort of maybe a guy like uh, Ricardo Lewis healthy with with Pick and Mayfield does enough uh, a guy who's a gunner um, has some special teams value or a guy like Derek Willies who obviously was integral uh, in, in beating the Ravens in overtime who and then has the unfortunate uh, shoulder injury in practice in a walkthrough a day. Friday. <laughs> yeah, that, that maybe he comes back uh, and and, uh, and 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 shows something that they like. And and, and there's guys like Damian Ratley who, who had you. some flashes and stuff like that. So it's not, you know, it's one of those things and, and, and we're going across this position by position by position and it's they could do A, B, and C, but they don't have to. 
too. That's obviously the position Dorsey is striving to be in with this. There's certainly positions where they're thinner than at some places or the other. There's certainly positions where you really want to uh, bolster the group, offensive line being a big one, and linebacker being another big one, uh, and safety now. But it, you're not sitting there going, man, we have to take so-and-so at 49. We have to take so-and-so at 80 or whatever, or maybe we even have to trade up. It's who are winning players that are going to help this team get better, whether it's right now or it's in the near future. And that's the position that John Dorsey was in last year. That's the position he's putting himself in this year. And that seems to be when he's at his best. And look, guys, you know I'm going to you know back my guy Damian Ratley, who, you know, the Charger game, you know, some people gave him some slack. Obviously, you know, there was, you know, a couple of key drops, um, huge, you know, uh, reception against Pittsburgh. But Rashard Perriman kind of came in and held some of these guys back. But, you know, Rashard, it was 16 for 340 and two touchdowns. You can find a lot of guys to do that. It's just that me and Pete felt maybe there would be an ex- you know expanded role where maybe there would be more to it. I don't know. I, I, for me, if I, you know, in that position, I, I just, I, I'd rather bank on the better team, the better quarterback, the better situation. If the money's the exactly the same, we'll see how it plays out. You know, Bashar Perriman obviously, you know, made his bet. We'll see how it works out for him. And look, all the best. I mean, because the guy came in and, you know, as much as we got, you know, we'll always continue to never thought he'd be a storyline of the 2018 in Cleveland Browns. But he no, ended 100%. up being one. So he got know, us both. Yep, and that's, you know, and along with Greg Robinson and other stuff, I mean, that, that's the fun part of a season and that stuff. Guys, iTunes rating reviews, you guys have been fantastic with that over the last 24 hours. Please keep those coming. Um, had our highest presence in the uh, iTunes Top 200, uh, broke under, you know, 160. I appreciate it, guys. It means a lot. It's, it's nice to see. We're going to do the show regardless. So it doesn't matter. You know, the accolades are cool and they're fun to have. I mean, we're still going to come here, bust our butts. But iTunes rating reviews, guys. Go ahead, and make sure you're you know you know getting in there, dropping a five star written review. Thank you so much for all that stuff. Now, Pete, we're going to continue along here. Um, I guess we'll go with this here. Um, and, and it's weird that people are like flexing about Emmanuel Ogba is on the market. When we talked about the initial Od- Odell trade, and this was well over a week ago now, he was part of that and this is when it was a big old huge deal which ended up to be two deals you know where everything ended up working and obviously draft picks were initially sent and then they were flipped back and obviously you know everybody knows the details of it now but Emmanuel Agba being on the market a number one I know you and me are in sync here I don't get it because we've talked about what they've done in this point where there's the flexibility and the versatility of this defensive line, but what what would be ideal here? Like, what would be enough where you could say, "Okay, I'll do it." With moving on from Emmanuel Lagba. Um, yeah, anyone who knows me knows I love draft picks. Um, having said that, I don't want to trade Emmanuel Lagba for a draft pick. If I'm trading him, not for the draft picks that it's rumored to be. I mean, I'll, I'll, we'll give you a fifth. Yeah, then keep your stick in fifth because you know, with the fifth, right. I'd be lucky to get a guy who's got the athletic profile, and hopefully, if he's healthy, of an Emmanuel Agba. Well, not only that, he's making. Let's, he's going to make $2.1 million this year. If he has a productive sign him, you're going to get more than that. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to pick. I want players. We are past the point of just you know saying let's get rid of guys for draft assets. Like, give me something tangible because as nice as a draft pick would be, now you're creating a hole that you now have to fill on a team where we're trying to rev up for you know serious contention. Like that, it doesn't help you to 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 create holes. The other scenario where I I, I could be okay with it is if they basically use Emmanuel Ogba to move up on a pick. You know, let's say they they want somebody badly at at, at thirty five. Let's say Justin Lane is a guy they love, and for whatever reason he's sitting there at the thirty fifth pick, and they negotiate a deal where they flip forty nine to thirty five, and part of that is Emmanuel Ogba. Like you don't love that in terms of straight value, but at least you're getting a football player and you're getting a specific football player you want. Like I can understand that you're immediately getting return on that. The the issue is if it becomes an intangible asset where you don't know what's going to be, uh, and, and this may be it, it, what the other part of this is in the draft you'll 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 have the guy up on the board you want, and you can go get him. Um, and, and lastly, the other part is is. I just don't let me find out that this is for the sake of Chad Thomas. Like that oh. would just drive me insane that you're trading a guy who has helped you, who played through a high ankle sprain all of last year was maybe 75, 80% the, the entire year. And that was still good enough to a play an insane amount of reps and be good enough that Chad Thomas was never active at a hundred percent. So, there are ways it's okay. The idea that it's ever just throwing him away is silly, uh, unnecessary, and I think uh, cutting off your nose to spite your face. Look, I mean, Emmanuel Agba, and you know, maybe he's more. And the thing is, I don't know if he's going to be appreciated by any one of the other thirty-one teams the way we feel about him. And look, I understand some of you Brown fans aren't thrilled with him or whatever. But if it's two billion dollars, and I'll tell you right now. If Emmanuel Agba, if the Browns just said, you know what, and straight up cut him, he'd get a two-year, $5 million deal. So why cut a guy who's you know, going to earn his money? And the other thing about the high ankle sprain, this was, of course, off of whatever was a, bro- a broken foot, I guess it was. Broken foot. Exactly. So, I mean, the guy's paid his dues. And I just hate to move on from so many of these guys who have been here for the absolute crap fest of 1 in 31. I'd like to see some of these guys to be here to, you know, reap the rewards of it and not just 7 8 and 1 for what should be 2019 and and better in and all that stuff. I just don't know if I mean, look, I mean, if it comes down and, you know, and look, we've been fair about this and even Pete who, you know, and even the thing we we said Wide receiver one, you don't need it. You it Odell Beckham, you don't need to chase him. You don't, you don't, because of what you thought the value was. But once we saw the deal, it was like, well, you can't say no to that. So if it comes down to the deal where, okay, if it's a manual logbook, I can't say no to that deal. We'll say that if we truly feel it, guys. You know, we will always say what we feel. So we'll see where it goes. I, I, I just, you know. I go back to what these good teams in the NFL are doing right now, and it's seven, eight, nine across the D line. So if it's two million dollars, but maybe Agba only plays what eighteen on some weeks, and then maybe thirty reps on some other weeks, and the team is winning and kicking ass, I'd rather have them. Well, let's let's put it from this standpoint. Let's you know, 
beyond the fact that you know he gives you some hopefully gives you some quality reps in a tight game let's say you know you, you made it throughout 18 let's say he plays 18 snaps in a tightly contested game the other benefit is the browns are going to beat the hell out of some teams and you're going to want to get some of these dudes off the field you're not going to want to be up 28 and sitting there just sitting and seeing you know, miles garrett playing in the fourth quarter Right. You're going to want to take Vernon off the field. You're going to want to take Garrett off the field. You, you have guys Chris who can still Smith, give you quality Chris work. Smith, Chris Smith, Emmanuel Ogbog, go ahead, go nuts. Right. Like that, you know, and there's a value there. You, you don't want to burn these guys out. We just went through this. And yes, certainly overtime played a role in that early part. But the other part is they just got left on the field and they just were basically left to die out there. And, and, You've got to have somebody who's credible in there. And and certainly, you know, maybe they, they want to bring back Zettel, and Zettel had some nice moments and is cheap. Um, like, I get it. But again, if it's for Chad Thomas, this would be the second time they've done this. Last year with Carl Nassib, who had a nice year with Tampa. Even if you don't think he was a great year, he had six and a half sacks. The Browns would have happily taken six and a half sacks. If they do that again with... Agba, he goes somewhere and is productive. Uh, and, and if he's healthy, I have no doubt he will be. He was productive at times when he wasn't. Um, and if you do it for Chad Thomas, you let this guy burn you again. Like, you just deserve it at that point. Yeah, and look, I mean, you guys know our feelings on Chad Thomas. But, I mean, look, uh, you know, you, you need to produce, it, it, and especially now. It, there's no more, uh, well, we really liked him. We drafted him in the third round. It, it, there's, there's nobody now. There's no more free chances or, you know, we really like you, so we're going to keep you around. No. It's either produce, show something, or you're stinking gone. There's just no other way around it. Um, I guess we'll shift it here, Pete, and this is going to be a popular name. We'll see how that comes out. And anybody, guys, if you thought trading for Eric Berry, and look, Eric Berry was one of the games, if you want to say elite, top safeties, whatever you want to clarify, yes, in his prime, he was that guy. Um, a ton of money. Guys played three games in two seasons. Yes, now he's available. He's free. It's an interesting name. I'm not going to deny that. For me personally, I'm not interested. Because if you can't play more than three games in two years, and look, Eric, it's been injuries. And you know, luckily for him, the cancer battle is behind him. And that's not an issue. But it's, it, it's, it's a body falling apart. I don't want to bring in an Eric Barry and say, oh, you know, and maybe you get excited through OTAs, and maybe you see a couple of flashes in camp. I, I'd rather draft somebody, sign somebody. I, I, I just think you're going to end up because the other thing is you can't just sign Eric Barry. You got to sign somebody else along with it, or you got to draft somebody else along with it. So you're either clogging the hole by trying to play Eric Barry for somebody else that you think can do the job just as well because you brought him in. I just don't get it, and I mean, for me, I hopefully this is one they avoid. Um, I, you know, I, I have had a, I had an enormous draft crush on Eric Berry. I, I was praying that somehow he'd end up to seven that and year. And whatever happened to his twin brothers? They were supposed to be studs, and I, I have no idea where they are. Uh, one was on the Browns for a, a minute. Um, Cup of coffee. Uh, but yeah, Eric Berry was you know one of those all-time draft crushes. I just I loved watching this kid play at Tennessee. One of them on the Browns was hoping somehow he'd get to seven. Uh, he obviously went fifth. The Browns took Joe Hayden that year. Um, he's been an All-Pro. He's been an absolute stud. Unfortunately, you know he's been Achilles the last couple of years, and and his heel. 
um, has been a huge problem. And, I, you know, but between that and, 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 and I don't, you know, I, I'm not trying to hold cancer against him uh, because obviously that's the biggest battle he's won in his life. But I do wonder from a, a football guys are sitting there going, I don't know if he feels like he needs it anymore. And they're going to say, you know, it's just not, you know, we don't know that he's got it, got his heart in it enough. Now, if they want to sign him, they have to first, much like, you know, when we talk about guys like Tyler Eifert, it can't be the only guy. Second, if it is a guy like Eric Berry, you have to find out, you have to make the decision very quickly if this is going to be something worthwhile. You can't wait. Like, and I, I, and I mean, you know, very early in training camp, if, if it gets that far, where you basically have to decide this is either going to be successful or it's not, and we're going to move on and cut bait with it. Because um, you don't you want know, to do that to an established veteran who's got a track record like him. You don't want to say in, like, the first week of August, we cut Eric Berry. It just, you know, it seems almost disingenuous. It's like you either truly have every drop of faith in him or you don't. Yeah, and, and you know, he's only 30. That's the thing. It's not like he's, you know, 35. and He's, he's a he's real just, old 30, he, though. Yeah, I mean, he is, he's got a lot of mileage on him and, and the injuries and everything else. I mean, you know, I, I expect, you know, if he... You know, the, you can make the argument that maybe these past two years, he, his body has rested enough where he's sitting there going, you know, man, I really want this again, and, and I really want to be great. I don't want to go out like this and all that stuff. And a change of, you know, uh, area code might, you know, help light that fire a little bit. That's a situation where where, where Dorsey has to. Um, he knows him obviously from his time in Kansas City. I think he, you know, as much as he's going to read the situation, he's got. I, I think he almost has to be able to disconnect himself and basically trust in those guys around him that don't have that personal experience. If they can all sort of unanimously agree that you know this is going to be a good move for the Browns as opposed to a shot the Browns are taking. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I, in, with with a a good safety market. And the other thing, though, is, I mean, what are you going to bring him in here for? I mean, right now, you need a strong safety. And look, we're going to learn more about Wilkes as we go on. So are you going to put him in there? I mean, you have Demarius Randall, who has cornerback experience. You've already played him with this team as a cornerback. I don't know if the fit even is, is it more connecting the dots because, you know, he was the chief and John Dorsey. Is it truly a guy that fits with what Cleveland needs. I mean, you know, or are you looking more of a, you know, hammer in the box type of guy who can do a little bit of both? And, you know, what you saw, you know, he had the last you saw of him play was in trying to cover Gronkowski and it wasn't great. And uh, guys, uh, somebody has been on the show before, Kyle Posey covers the charge. He's fantastic. He's got, I mean, he will show you a, a litany of a thread where, you know, this guy couldn't handle Antonio Gates ever. And this is what you would hope he would be. So, I don't know. I mean, it's just a move I would move on from here. Guys, whether it's uh, Instagram, whether it's Twitter, the Locked On NFL Net, um, everything from all the show hosts, fantasy, team-specific, draft, um, everything's funneled to those accounts on Instagram, on Twitter, Locked On NFL Net. If you are not following either of those accounts, go ahead and do me a favor and make sure you throw a follow to those now. 
Thank you. Now, Pete, let's get to some of the stuff that was done here today. Obviously, it started early. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to necessarily say this is a huge upgrade at the tight end position, um, but uh, Demetrius Harris, uh, Kansas City Chief, very similar body style to Darren Fells. Um, you know, some people, I mean, you know, maybe this year he was a better blocker. I, I would say it's it, maybe it's a wash. You know, maybe it's because we also we love the playmaker here on Lockdown Browns. Pete and I, Fells is our guy. But uh, Harris brought in here, um, definitely more athletic than Fells. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, he's got that. He's got the same length you want at that position with him. He's six seven, which is you know the same length as, as Darren Fells. Um, he is, yeah, he is more athletic, um, but he is a guy who has struggled with drops. Like he, he, he's one of those guys that you look at and you're like, wow, this guy could do some stuff. And then he, he sort of lets you down in that area and, and, you know, he could be a nice role player and if he can get better, you know, he could be an upgrade over Fells. The thing with Fells is he was just... 10 catches and 11 targets, bam, three touchdowns versus a guy like Demetrius Harris who's, you know, who basically catches 50% of his targets. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it, it's it's certainly um, interesting from the standpoint of he's young, five years younger than Darren Fells. He's more athletic. Um, and it's also a little bit of an accounting trick um, in terms of creating cap for next year, uh, getting uh, Fells off of the, uh, a guy like Harris to roll over cap. Um, so that's interesting. So it may really realistically just they're, they're thinking, oh, he could just, and we save a little money. But you know, there are people who are really big Demarius, uh, Demetrius Harris fans. Like I know Josh Norris was a guy uh, I saw today who was kind of you know excited about this as a low-key move for them. So, you know, maybe you know this is where his full prime should be. Twenty-seven years old. Uh, he'll be twenty-eight basically when the, you know when the Browns get to training camp. Uh, it'll be curious to see what he he can sort of do. He's you know he's not the savvy vet. He's a guy who who needs to sort of prove himself here, and that'll be that that could be interesting and a fun ride. Um, you know, it, it's interesting, and, and I, I think his sample size of when he's going to see the ball would be very similar to Fell's. Um, it looks for now, I mean, in, until we hear more, that maybe DeVal will be here. You know, obviously with this draft tight end class, you're probably going to bring in another one. So you got four guys fighting for maybe what could be three spots. It'll be interesting. It, it, you know, obviously, you know, Harris, obviously with the two-year day, you figure he'll stay. You figure in Joku. Set the valve. It, it, I mean, it, it's so hard to figure how this franchise views him right now. You know, kind of similar to Duke Johnson, maybe you know, a little bit, you know, a little bit more murky with Seth Valve as opposed to Duke Johnson. You know, they found a way to have do do some things, but it, it's 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 weird, it's crazy, and you know, it, it's going to be a fun position battle to watch and see how it unfolds as it goes on here. Um, Pete, um, obviously, you know, John Dorsey, you know, and I'll be honest, this linebacker market. It started with Quan Alexander, and you know, to use the term, shit got crazy. Shit got crazy, and these guys got a ton of money. Um, one thing I do like is I, I don't think with the expenditure of big money is this franchise views Joe Schobert 
and they view him in, in a good light. You know, Joe should wear a C this year on his jersey. Um, there should be money coming to Joe Schobert. Uh, so, but you know, some you know Ray Ray Armstrong brought brought back, and here's another guy similar to you know Greg Robinson, similar to Bashard Perriman, where it was a uh, well, you know, he kind of did some things. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, we Pete, we know we preferred him over Tanner Vallejo, but he was brought back, and then we'll obviously get to the other addition that was brought in. Yeah, so I mean, this is a little bit of familiarity. Uh, getting a guy that you knew before who's here for special teams, he's not here. I mean. Certainly, if there, if if you know, uh, worst comes to worst, he'll play. But he's here to play special teams. That's uh, that's what he did. And, and and I guess you know you, you hope that he gets to the point where he can be that what what he was when he came out, which is effectively you know a, a guy a linebacker with coverage skills because he was obviously a safety. Uh, he was a five-star, five-star recruit going to Miami. Like he, like it, and this was when Miami was like the goods. So you know that he can run. You know he's athletic, right? And it, he was a big deal even when he he came out in the draft. Like there were people who thought he was going to be um, like a, a big time player, and, and uh, he I don't think he tested great. Um, and then it just didn't really happen, uh, you know, at the beginning of his career. So yeah, I, I think he's a, a role player and a special teams player, and and I think. The moves they made in terms of linebackers suggest a they they really like what they have and b it's in the it's probably in the draft and it it, it may not even be in this year's draft as far as really uh, getting Joe Schobert that that running mate uh, that that they they want ultimately. Well, I think the Odell deal may have you know cost him that, but who even knows? I mean, there was the Odell plan, then there was the if the Odell plan doesn't work out and. Look, you know, John Dorsey, not much is given out, guys. Not much is leaked out. So we're never going to know. And then here comes the interesting part. And this is, guys, and Pete's going to set some light onto this one here. Um, our Darius Taylor, and guys, I, I, I'll be honest, um, the Tampa game this year, and uh, he had a great game against the Browns. I'll be honest, guys. Like, that was, anybody who follows the show, that was, you know, a day after my brother had passed I remember watching that game. I remember a lot of it. Jarvis Landry. For anybody who wants to say that we don't give a Jarvis Landry credit, I will tell you, Jarvis Landry had a great day that day. I know I said it on that post-game show. I don't remember much of a Darius Taylor that day, but he's brought in here. Um, PFF grade, not very good. It's not. Best part of it, tackling, which shows that the fact that you know probably why he has a resume of a good special teamer. He's had a little bit of a relationship with Steve Wilkes, some Carolina days. Um, but 82 tackles last year, two sacks, uh, three forced fumbles, one interception. Pete's going to shed a little more light on here. And Pete, um, in his day when he was tested, a 4 5 9 40. So I don't have a problem adding a guy like this. And the money's not an issue here. But it just, again, it's another reflection of John Dorsey is I'm not – I'm going to pay Joe Schobert or whatever, but I, I'm not paying these linebackers I don't know or whatever. I'm not paying a linebacker $13, $14 million. Yeah, um, the athletic the athletic profile is really good. Yeah, you yeah. mentioned the 4.59 speed. He's got pretty good quickness and stuff like that. He's like he's a fast dude. Uh, apparently put in his time in the weight room. He had 32 reps on the bench. Um, well, there you go. I, had I, never, mean, I mean, I, that's a nice athletic weight. All of that's impressive, yes. Yeah, uh, I had – 
when when it came across the uh, the news that Darius Taylor had signed with the Browns, I and had no was, idea who he was. And it was nice, Mary Kay, uh, Mary Kay Cabot trying to break it and at least get the guy's last name right because she called him Thomas. <laughs> and yes, everybody's like, uh, "Who is this guy?" I, had never, I, I, I was sitting there going, "I don't remember this guy." And then I looked, you know, I looked it up, and lo and behold, at the time he went by. And I don't know why he changed it, but he went by a Darius Glant. I do have an inkling of remembering a Darius Glant and coming out of Florida Atlantic. Um, you know, again, I, I I think this guy is here to be more of a backup linebacker. He's got great size. Um, if you want to be, you know, a coverage team, uh, he played a fill-in role um, this past year when they they were down with Quan Alexander. Uh, you know, in Tampa, he started ten games. You know, he was okay. You know, I, I don't know if it's he, he was really that much different. If he was basically Tampa's answer to Tanner Vallejo or not, um, Tanner Vallejo didn't have Tanner Vallejo ain't having 80 ta- eighty-two tackles in any season ever. So he's definitely an upgrade there. <laughs> so I, I think this is more of a depth guy. He's twenty-eight, um, but yeah, I mean, you get a little athleticism, and certainly he's going to have to make his bones on special teams. I mean, before this year where he played in those, you know, started ten games. He had played in uh, 14 the year before, started four, played the year before that, zero. And I think the four games he started uh, last year were in lieu of somebody's suspension. Um, but he's, he's been a special teams guy. That's what he's done. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly what they're trying to bring in. Uh, they obviously got rid of uh, the quote-unquote old special uh, teams coordinator who was awful, uh, brought in a new guy, and uh, you know, new guy's going to want – I, I don't know how much specifically involved um, he is, but I have to imagine on some level it's you know saying uh, you know I like guys who do this this and this, and then sort of picked out guys he liked and, and Ray Ray Armstrong and Darius Taylor are probably in that mix, um, and and that may be a factor in ultimately deciding you know that last spot at the receiver position too. But um, because they are pretty good on the front line, they do have the ability to sort of get some of these guys that can. Uh, uh, producing multiple roles, and you know, I, I certainly think the Browns are going to be looking to add more talent in the draft. It's a question of if it's going to be you know earlier or later. I have a feeling it's going to be later. Um, that you just keep getting guys and compete and compete, and and I don't know that Darius Taylor or uh, Ray Ray Armstrong are necessarily guaranteed a roster spot at this point. So much as they are there to compete, and if the Browns bring in more guys that beat them out, then uh, they'll probably. Uh, Keep keep the guys who win the job and and move on from somebody. I don't think and I, and I haven't seen the details on it, but I expect it's the same with these guys as it is with a guy like Carl Davis. Um, well, you know Taylor's money's out there, and it seems like it's a little bit more legit. So if it's one or the other, um, if you're, you're going to base it on money and what what is promised, you know Taylor seems to be the guy, and he does have a little bit of a will connection. So there could be something there and look you like the athleticism you like the strength obviously so you know it's going to be something that plays out but guys it'll be okay i'm sorry guys and gals kids whatever i'm trying to get better with that guys somebody gave is some everybody somebody gave me the uh tech, gotta, the tweet today yeah, somebody gave it to gotta me. learn adapt the folks i have yeah folks whatever folksy i'm gonna be folksy we're gonna go that route um we'll see how it all plays out we will um 
And look, as me and Pete have told you, we really seem to like this linebacker class. Um, everybody, if you're looking for a guy like Taylor or Ray Ray Armstrong, almost every linebacker kind of brings in this draft, brings this. So somebody's going to be added. There's no doubt about it. And I'm not going to throw 13, 14 million when you still have a bunch of guys in-house that have to eat and have to get paid. Um, Pete, everybody's Browns binky. I'm not going to say everybody, but a, a lot. Tyrell Williams, Tyrell Williams, and I believe our buddy Johnny Blitz was a huge fan. Tyrell Williams, Tyrell Williams, officially an Oakland Raider. What was the money? Because I got to tell you, Pete, wasn't in, wasn't in ever. Uh, four years, forty-four million. Uh, I think twenty-two million of it is guaranteed. It'll be interesting up, to see how could the be twenty-two. Yeah, yeah. The twenty-two will be interesting. Where the twenty-two is guaranteed? Is it you know over the first two years, over the first three years? I'll be honest. It, it, you guys know I was never in on Tyrell Williams, and for twenty-two million guaranteed, no, I can draw. I, I can draft a guy in the fourth, fifth round to give me what Tyrell Tyrell Williams is going to give you. But go ahead. Yeah, and it's uh, it's interesting because the the Raiders obviously have Antonio Brown coming in, so they don't necessarily need Tyrell Williams to be the number one. He's you know, not a not, one. Who cares? He's not. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing is like that. That's why it it was always uh, weird that you know he was basically a three or a four, um, depending on how you wanted to count the running backs in that system. And, and, and people wanted to pay him like he was going to be a, a, a true number one. I, I think in terms of just looking at it from the Tyrell Williams standpoint, it's probably a really good situation for him. He can be a number two type guy or, you know, with, with Antonio Brown, that it's going to allow him to not be so much the focal point, whereas let's say that Browns don't uh, get – Odell Beckham, and they do get Tyrell Williams, I think a ton of pressure would have been on him to deliver. So, you know, I, I don't like the deal in terms of the money. I certainly would have paid, wouldn't have paid it. Um, good for him that he got it. But I do think this is actually probably a very good um, choice on, on his part to go to the Raiders. Um, and what I've seen now is some people talking about you know, the Raiders wide receiving core and oh, well, now Antonio Brown's there. Jordy Nelson, Tyrell Williams. I don't know how we're still talking about Jordy Nelson. Um, a lot of, I mean, most of his production came in one game at Miami last year. So yes, Tyrell Williams, Antonio Brown, you're one two. You look at the Oakland Raiders wide receiving core. I mean, I'm sorry, tight end core. It's terrible with those four picks in the top 35. If you're the Oakland Raiders and you're looking to win now, you better find a way to get a Hawkinson. You better find a way to get a Noah Fant if you truly want to win and maximize what you pay Tyrell Williams. Maximize the fact that you paid Antonio Brown even more money. If you want it to work Oakland-wise, you need to get a legitimate tight end in that mix. Uh, I, I, you just have to. Uh, you know, Stop with the Kyler Murray, you know, the, wow, the hot girl in the room. Stick with Carr. Get him more weapons. It'll be a better option for them. So, but uh, guys, I, I am glad the Tyrell Williams thing is all avoided and just gone away from and watch more than just what he did to Cleveland last year because that was like almost like 15 to 20 percent 
of his total output of the 2018 season. Pete, we're going to do a little gauge here now on the AFC North. The Bengals, no, I'm not even going to touch that right now. There's no reason to. I, you know, I don't even know if they sidestepped, stepped back. There's no way they stepped up. We'll avoid them altogether. The Ravens, after losing a ton and a ton of you know defensive players, um, I do like the Mark Ingram fit, the Earl Thomas. This was a weird one. I mean, you're going to give Earl Thomas $22 million over the next nine months. And look, Earl Thomas, the player, love him to death. And his agent, David Mulligetta, let me tell you right now, fantastic agent and really smart on his part because Earl Thomas, I mean, similar to Eric Berry, the question is, you know, how long do I have him? So to get him $22 million just for the 2019 season alone, fantastic job. I mean, that is like Herculean effort. But Mark Ingram, in if they're going to continue to handicap Lamar Jackson and play that type of offense that we saw once Lamar played, Mark is a good fit there. Earl does scare you, but there's always the fact of whether or not Earl is there or not. Um. So they lost C.J. Mosley. They lost Terrell Suggs. They lost, uh, or they cut um, Eric Weddle, they got they lost Zadarius Smith, and they do all these things, and they sign Earl Thomas, and somehow, some way, they feel credible. Like it, that's it's so frustrating with the Ravens because you're like, oh man, this is a terrible, terrible offseason, and it's like one move sort of brings them back, and, and certainly they have all kinds of holes. Linebacker is a massive problem right now for them. Um, they need more help uh, with pass rusher. Uh, they need, you know, all kinds of things right now. But that secondary is ridiculous, and it's enough to be just get them back to a point where you're like, Ugh. like with between them and the Steelers, they're just these teams where you know, as much as the Browns look like they should just absolutely roll over the division, the Ravens. And the Steelers ha- have pains you. in the ass. They're a pain in the ass. Yeah, they 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 just you know they're vampire. You have to actually stake them in the heart. You can't just assume the thing's going to stay down. And part of the season, and I think part of you know motivating them beyond you know just the you have all this in front of you, uh, you know all this. They haven't swept the Ravens. They didn't even beat the Steelers last year. Like those are two humps they have to really. Legitimacy. Oh, yeah, you they have legitimacy. to prove it. Like as much as they they look scary and everything else, the Browns they they there's this element where they have to get those those notches on the on the on the on the belt for them and take care of that business and really prove to themselves that they've arrived. So yeah, I mean defensively, certainly the Ravens have more work to do. Um, offensively, Mark Ingram. Look, I I don't know how much he has left, but he is that you know if, if you're looking at this from like the uh, you know that sort of option look, like he's the old style V back, yep. like he's the guy who's gonna freaking just go hard into the hole and cause problems, and he's better than the guys they've had there. Obviously, they got rid of uh, the. Arkansas tailback who had his issues uh, getting arrested recently. Well, they had Pete, the undrafted. What do you mean? I mean, you don't drive around in a Corvette in the snow 
with weed and a loaded gun in your car? Come on, Pete. It's okay. Uh, Those things happen. <laughs> mistakes were made. Uh, unfortunately for Alex Collins, that's you know that's the end of him in or- uh, in Baltimore. And and he was a guy whose athleticism was awful, and he made it work for a little bit. I was an Alex um, Collins. I was an Alex Collins. Alex Collins fan. So it was nice to see him do what he did, and then to see that happen. It was like, well, dude, man, man, I put my stake out for you. His tape at Arkansas was unbelievable. And then you saw the athleticism, and you're like, oh, my God. Um, and they get the undrafted free agent this past year who, who filled in that role a little bit. Gus. Yeah, Gus Edwards, who did Rogers. admirably. Mark, Mark Ingram is more credible than them. I'm guessing that the Ravens are not done at running back because of where this offense is going. Um, are we still going to see Kenneth Dixon for another time? Is that, We're going to go that route? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they need more... Just there. let Lamar play. Well, they need wide receivers. You need to let Lamar play freaking quarterback. You cannot tell me Willie Sneed is your one. Well, but that, that, that whether they they signed Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perryman, that may or may not have actually been solving the issue. But uh, they may just roll out there with <laughs> you know, five tight ends uh, and just let Lamar Jackson run. I, you know, it's fascinating to see what, what his developments could be like. Like, that's the thing is like the Ravens defense is enough to go. Oh, we got to take this seriously. And you, but you are sitting there going, what the hell are they going to do on offense? And how, you know, how are the Browns going to defend it? Because obviously, you know, we thought, I don't think unfairly that they, that the Browns should have done much better than they did in that final game. And they just got run over. And part of that was the defensive tackle because it was embarrassing. Uh, and and yep. and uh, they, lost a, went they out. lost to a high school offense. Yeah, one hundred percent. I I I have seen it. I have run it. Um, <laughs> and, and obviously, Sheldon Richardson's going to play a big role in that. But there is this element of like, how the hell is this going to work against the Browns? And yet, you still have to take it seriously enough to make sure you take care of it. Well, I mean, you know, you saw the Chargers who saw it for like two times within, I guess it was three to four weeks. And the second time, it was like, all right, yeah, enough of this freaking nonsense. We're going to shut this the hell down right now. Um, but look, I mean, Lamar Jackson, and we said it, it's going to be interesting in, you know, in, in with him taking wide receiver snaps early in the year. Stop. Just let's see what the kid is. Is he an NFL quarterback or is he not? Uh, you can't, you know, and we always said the wildcat associated with it. Enough already. Just let, let the kid do what he's got to do. But you can't go out there with Willie Sneed in five tight ends and Mark Ingram and think that's going to lead to a successful 11-5 and 10-6 season. It, it, it's just not, especially with everything you've lost on the defensive side of the ball. Now, we're going to shift it over to Pittsburgh here, Pete. Um, look, Steven Nelson would have loved him here. The thing I love about Steven Nelson, and you guys have heard this, I love my trash-talking cornerbacks. Steven Nelson is one of those dudes but Antonio Brown, um, in, look, I mean, we'll mention Le'Veon Bell, obviously, but James Conner picked up the slack there. But Pittsburgh, I mean, it, it, not much is going on, not much activity. I, I don't know where I, I see them getting better from a team who didn't make the playoffs last year. Well, the biggest thing they lost this offseason was not Antonio Brown. It was uh, the offensive line coach. Um they lost a guy who has been, you know, been integral in keeping that protection to be, to being so good. He goes to Denver, uh, Mike Munchak, 
that's an enormous loss. You know, as much as they want to talk about, well, the locker room and all this other stuff, that that's the one that I think they're going to feel. And they traded uh, they traded their right tackle, uh, who's who struggled to stay healthy in recent years, Marcus Gilbert. Um, they have a guy who's been playing there, uh, who's been okay, but. You look at the Steelers and, and you're looking at all this this talent they're losing. Jesse James went to, you know went to Detroit. It's not that they can't recover. It's just it feels like they're hemorrhaging talent faster than they're replacing it. Yep. Uh, Steven Nelson's their one signing. It's similar uh, to the I mean, Giants got- though. Like you, you're like oh we, you have the faith so much in the quarterback and the salary that he's making, but you're going to have to sacrifice at a bunch of other spots to do it. Right, and uh, and unlike you know, like the Browns, where they're in a situation uh, where they they don't need they don't have needs they have to draft for, unless the Steelers do some things that uh, you know we haven't seen yet that they they pick up some more of these sort of next wave uh, free agents, they do have to go get needs in the draft. Like they they don't have the ability to sit there and wait. Like linebacker is a thing they have to address. They have to find that. They have to find more help in the secondary. They have either missed on or just not gotten return on picks like Sean Davis and Artie Burns and the kid out of Ole Miss, uh, Sanquez Golson. His was injury-related. But they've sunk a lot of high picks into these players and gotten nothing out of it. And, and, And now you're looking at it, and the Browns have Odell Beckham and the Steelers have Joe Hayden, Stephen Nelson, and Artie Burns. And you mentioned before we started recording, you can put all three of them on them. I don't think they're going to have a chance. I, I don't disagree with that. Like, it's really hard to find where Pittsburgh's going to be effective. And don't get me wrong, the defensive line is still great. Cam Hayward is one of the yep. best. Like, I hate, I hate the Steelers, and I love Cam Hayward. He's just great. So, Stephon Tewitt is a, a really good football player. Uh, the the Javon Hargrave has become a really nice player for them. Like those three guys make that whole thing operate. And but even Watt you... finds his way. Like, I mean, he's like the cleanup guy, but he and you know walks his way into a ton of sacks. So I mean, their pass rush isn't the issue. It's almost everything behind that. Right, and and Bud Dupree is a jag. Um, you know, we all know I, it. You know, De- Desmond Harrison is is that guy's season. Um, and, and TJ Watt, Bud at least bought him dinner. <laughs> And, and uh, you know, and actually, T.J. Watt, uh, he probably, you know, I hope Tyrod Taylor bought him dinner because he ran in about three of those. I was going to say him, the combination of him and Chris Hubbard, the four sacks he got in that game, yeah, I mean, it was like the Sean Kaiser of the year before. They have talent; it's just they have a lot of holes, and they're gonna have to make some. They may have to chase after some things, and that's never a position you want to be in. I mean, this is a team that last year, you know. At the end of the first round, made everybody scratch their head with Tremaine Ed- Edmonds, yeah. uh, or Terrell, no Tremaine or Terrell. One I don't even know the non like, non good one. The one uh, who wasn't as good as his brother or his dad, exactly. Yeah. And, and he's a nice athlete, and he's got some talent. <laughs> but it felt like they drafted him three rounds too early, and and it, you know they chased it, and and it, it's burning them. And so now all of a sudden you're sitting there, and 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 if they can't get quick pressure and i mean really quick pressure on baker mayfield it just seems like he's going to absolutely pick these guys apart uh and they're going to have a really tough time like this just has all the makings of 
the Steelers come out, try to do their best. Maybe they come out two and two or something like that. But if they come out and are like one and three, I think internal turmoil is just going to take over. Ben's going to you know start throwing people under the bus. He's going to start whining. He would never. Retirement. He would never do that. Whining about retirement. We're going to hear more stories. They've already started coming out. There's going to be more of them where it's going to be Antonio Brown wasn't the problem. It was really Ben Roethlisberger. And we're just going to get into this whole thing. And I think at some point, you know, the season's going to fold in on itself. Mike Tomlin's ultimately going to get fired for it. Not Certainly not during the season. The Steelers will never do that. No. Uh, ben and he'll become the hottest head coaching commodity in the business. Yeah, and Ben Roethlisberger's probably going to retire. Uh, you know, I, you know, I don't think he's going to want to sit around and sort of wait for them to rebuild. And I think as much as he wants to play, I don't know that he's going to sort of just sit there and be willing to go five and eleven, six and ten until they can sort of get it going. Now, the the thing of it is, Juju Smith Schuster, uh, the kid they got at Oklahoma State last year, James, James Washington. Washington. Uh, they got a huge pickup in Vance McDonald, who was great for them. If he can stay healthy, he was outstanding, which is why Jesse James could go. Um, the offensive line is not as good, and again, without Munchak, it will, you know, it may take a step back. But they are a dangerous team. Like they're a team that can not, that won't sneak up, and they'll score forty on somebody. Um, so you know, the, the the worry with them is that you don't, you get into a shootout, and and you let. Ben Roethlisberger, as he's done so many times, you give him a chance late and he makes you pay for it and he gets you. Now, certainly, I think Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon may end him this time around. But, you know, again, it's that vampire. You have to stake him in the heart, make sure he stays down. And this is sort of your opportunity to do it. And I think in some ways, the fact that Ben Roethlisberger is still there is the best thing that could happen to the Browns because I do think they have to exercise that demon. I think it would be a major letdown in some respects if, if Roethlisberger retired and it's, you know, whatever guy they throw in there, all of them suck. Um, Landry <laughs> Jones or Landry Jones 2 or, you know, Landry Jones 7. It doesn't matter. Um, but it would. I, I think there's an element of this where they have to beat Ben Roethlisberger convincingly and hopefully twice where they can basically say, you know what, finally we got this guy. I think they need those those little, those victories to sort of give them the feeling that you know they're going to get all kinds of praise this off season and they're going to get all kinds of pressure during the season. I think those are those those victories they need for themselves to sort of get them going to the point where they feel like they are a real contender, where they can get to the playoffs, and it's not going to feel like, man, what what are we doing here? It's going to be feeling like, let's do this, let's see what this is about, and they may get surprised by the fact that they've never been there before and that whole whole thing but those are the battles they they i think they need to win and and ideally um and obviously you know we'll we'll wait till the schedule comes out um you want that second pittsburgh game to be in pittsburgh and you want it week 13 week 14 where you can just go you know slay that dragon if you want to use that term and whether it's ben whether it's eli whether it's philip rivers and it's weird to say I think Philip Rivers still has the longevity of the three. I mean, Eli, it looks like it's over. You know, Ben, I mean, it looks like the Statue of Liberty trying to get moved. Philip Rivers, it's ugly, but it still works. And it's it, Philip Rivers looks more like the guy 12 years ago now. Like, it still looks the same. I mean, Ben and Eli, it doesn't look that way. But you, 
you need to. I mean, what are they, the notches on the you know, the bedpost? You need those things, and you need to go ahead and and, and put that to bed and say, you know what, Cleveland over Pittsburgh, because you know for a long of the time it's been the Pittsburgh Steelers, the AFC North division. Um, Pete, before we go here, um, give me one guy, free agency wise, that you'd like to get into this fold here. Before we put this to bed, because, I mean, I'm not sure how much more John's going to do. I mean, there could be some tinkering. There could be some, you know, more, you know, Demetrius Harris types of signings. Is there anything here that you think needs to be done? Or, or one guy that, like, ooh, let's get that. Um, The guys that interest me uh, are really no tackles. Like, I... I <laughs> People I, always I, go defensive line forever and ever and ever and ever. I, and I this just, maybe has to do with the odd Ed Oliver. Maybe that relationship's over. Well, <laughs> look, I'm grieving. But um, <laughs> here, you know, I, I look up. at this and I'm looking at, uh, you know, you've got Larry Ogunjobi and you've got Sheldon Richardson. And that's fantastic. Like, that's a great front two. Behind him, it's... Carl Davis question mark and Trevon Coley question mark like Emmanuel Ogba who may not be here who could rotate into that spot. So the guy who I loved coming out of Texas came out on fire early in his career has been okay the last couple of years it certainly helped helped the Patriots win the Super Bowl is Malcolm Brown. Uh, you know he's a more even front style nose if they don't want to get a guy like Danny Shelton back. Or Mike Pinnell, if they want somebody who's got a little bit that more. That seems so weird. Mike Pinnell's been out, out there for almost five weeks now. Nobody's even sniffing. Right. Like, if they can get a guy that that brings them credibility. And Malcolm Malcolm Brown is a guy who, who plays, you know, about 50% of the snaps. And if he's playing just 40 and you're getting 40% of great snaps out of him that just frees up Larry Okunjobi, I think there's a real value there. Now, I don't know what he's in line to get but he's still very young he's still only 25 this is how you know he came out super young and he's really athletic and i don't know you know this is another one of those things where you have to get him in the building and in the meeting room to find out where what really makes this kid tick but he's a guy where i feel like there's plenty of talent left in there and big body guys just sort of hang around and some of these guys just it takes a while to 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 get it going but you know as a you know second tier nose that can really come in to hammer the run and allow larry ogunjobi to come in and and be you know in on more pass downs and fresh that's a guy i feel like could could be beneficial and that's one i mean look and we continue to talk about this you want to go seven eight nine deep on the d line um guys after yesterday um with obviously the beckham signing uh you know I want to thank everybody, uh, the growth of the show. Um, Pete and I love to cover the draft. Now, all of a sudden, it's taking a dramatic turn here um, with the first pick at 49. We're still going to do it. We enjoy it. We love it. Um, it's just going to change things a lot here where it's, you know, 48 guys off the board. Hopefully, some things can change. You know, we still want to get higher. We still, you know, we, we, you know like... But it's it's just going to be fun in that respect, though. And but here's the good thing, though, because uh, Pete and I we can, we can talk second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and there's still eight picks here. Um, more could be had. Who knows? I mean, the way they play it. 
But you know, the draft stuff, it's it's gonna be fun to do now here because it's not gonna be like last year where it's, you know, one, four, thirty-three, thirty-seven. You know, it's gonna be forty nine in back. So we're gonna have some fun with that. Um, well, the thing with that is like look, if you if you go to the traditional terrestrial radio guys, you're not gonna done. get that. They you're are not gonna done. Get it. You're not gonna get that. And certainly there's other podcasts and, and, and certainly we are Tony Grossi's mock draft should be fantastic because there's no way he can name 48 guys in this draft. Right. I mean, there are plenty of guys, you know, we love, you know, I love the surviving season guys. I love uh, the, the uh, sin, of the, uh, sin of Our Fathers guy. There's there's all kinds of pods out there that we'll talk about this stuff. But, you know, you know, between myself and, and, and Jeff, I, I feel like, you know, it's going to be tough to beat in terms of just giving you a sense of guys that really could actually be in in, in – in play for the Browns, or at least fit. You're not just Taylor gonna... Rep. That is my guy right now. I don't know how you're going to get him at a 49. Maybe we're going to have to trade up, but yeah, I don't think you're going to use. I it. wish he was. Look, I, I, I'm sorry that Ben Burkirvan is so greedy that he took all the tackles, but that's what happened. Um, but I, I do feel like <laughs> you know, it's not just bragging. I feel like you know, we've we've done it, but we, I, I'm happy to you know over this next month and a half, along with Jeff, is. You know, continue to prove it that you know when you when we, when when it is on for you know while you're 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 celebrating Odell Beckham highlights and and Browns highlights the entire first day of the draft just laughing at everybody as pit players go off the board when we do get to forty nine you know I feel like we'll be able to give you some guys or we get to you know the end of the draft we're still giving you guys that that you feel good about or at the very least when they're picked we're going to be able to tell you about them so that part as much as it you know. It's it's fun to have picks early, like seventeenth pick. It's certainly fun, and and you're sitting, like I was obviously sitting there, and I'm almost over it. Uh, Ed Oliver, you know, the dream of that, or a guy like Justin Land, or something like that. Woosa, Pete, Woosa. But uh, you know, this is this is in some ways this is more fun in that you get to really you know get at this and those specific middle middle round picks and, and really see what you can find here. And there's some guys that I know, you know, he, Jeff mentioned one that he likes. Obviously I'm, I'm in love with Juan Thornhill as an example, but there's going to be plenty of others. Well, I mean the, the Thornhill versus rap thing is going to be, what are you looking for? If you want a true complete safety to compliment Randall, Thornhill's that guy. If Do you, you want, want greatness? Juan Thornhill is your guy. I'm not going to deny it, Pete. I've given you this one. I put it on Twitter today. I gave you this one. <laughs> I, said, I, I just The argument is, do you want greatness or do you want Taylor Rapp? Okay. But the thing is, I do remember Wilkes, and obviously we all do, is Wilkes talking about how much he was looking forward to Jabril Peppers. If you want a Jabril Peppers type of guy, Taylor Rapp, short tackler, ridiculously good in that aspect, that would be a guy I fit there. But guys, these battles are going to come. So now maybe we've already started our Sony Michelle Nick Chubb. And you know this will probably lead to the Browns signing a good safety or trading for one here in the next 24 hours to make us both look stupid. But maybe maybe this will be our battle for 19 as Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb were, which both turned out pretty good for both of us. Um guys, P, uh, over at NFL Spin Zone, read all of Pete's work. Um it's good. It, it's pretty good. Uh, Pete gives his opinion. Um, as far as Pete's Twitter, guys, who cares? But, I mean, a lot of you guys want to... And, look, a lot of guys who give us a hard time, you argue with everybody. And then when Pete claps back or I clap back, 
all of a sudden like we're the bad guy. And most of the time it's like literally we just post and like run and you know, okay, guys, let's have some fun. The bottom line is everybody who follows Pete, who follows me, 90% plus of you or want the Cleveland Browns to be better, which is what we do and which is what we talk about and which is what we're all for. So, like, everybody, enjoy the moment. Enjoy the freaking ride. Remember 2017 and, you know, why did Hugh call this for Deshaun Kaiser when we're literally talking about the freshman football team? We're literally talking about the varsity football team now. Everything's in line. Let's go. Let's have some freaking fun. Follow the Lockdown Browns account. Guys, it's been great, the interaction over there. I, I literally had, I, I think at last count, it was like 70 DMs today about questions and stuff, and we talked. That's fine. I, I love it. A lot of stuff does not want to be put on the top timeline. I understand. If some of you are that way, that's fantastic. It's cool. Follow me personally, at Jeff, LJ, uh, underscore LJ, underscore Lloyd. Uh, the iTunes running reviews. Always keep those coming. I, it, it, it's just great to see the growth of the show and everybody enjoying it, and especially with a day like yesterday where the product just goes through the stinking roof when you make a major acquisition where one of the game's great says, yeah, I'm going to go play for that franchise. So, I mean, it, it's just fun to continue to do this day in, day out. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.